Nippy Books Podcast Productions presents The Logbooks of Admiral Jake, written by John Napa, illustrative art by Jason Hendrickson, voice cast by the Nippy Players, production and technical services by Nippy Podcast Productions, a division of Napa Intellectual Properties, Incorporated. Copyright 2021, Napa Intellectual Properties, Incorporated, all rights reserved. No part of this broadcast may be reproduced in any form without express documented permission from Napa Intellectual Properties, Incorporated and Nippy Books Podcast Productions. The Logbooks of Admiral Jake, Book One, Chapter Two. North of the raid and the river, Gunther scratched his shaggy head. This was a difficult morning. Some new fish must have eaten the netting. He couldn't imagine what kind. He yanked hard, but to no avail. He felt no weight within the nets, or what remained of them, as they came clear of the water much too soon. His mouth opened as he ran the injured nets through his fingers. The thin rope squares were cut. They tangled in his empty hands. Gunther wasn't any kind of learned man, and things weren't always clear when maybe they should be. But this was all very odd. He decided to head home, wondering what to do about supper. With no fish to bring, he veered right instead of left at the fork. Berries grew well there, and he needed to gather something. It would be bad enough asking Daesong to help men nets, but nothing fresh to eat would be worse than asking his wife to make berry pie and berry bread. He saw footprints and stooped. Tracking, he understood. They were men's feet, a group of four, maybe five. He considered the shorter path home to where Daesong was alone at the cabin, but followed the footprints instead. It might be pioneer settlers from south of the river. They could be hunting up this way. Maybe the trees knew something. He'd listen to the maples. Their words were few, and sometimes too low for him to hear easily, but they were always to the point. He quickened his pace for the maple grove. He had heard of talking maples growing south of the river, along with a few chatty oaks and some whispering willows, but he only knew of one cluster of talking trees around here, north of the river. They were all maples. Hopefully, they could tell him something today. As he approached the grove, he figured his eyes might be getting as confused as his head sometimes got. His brain might not work so fast as other men, but his eyes were normally sharp. He slowed down to think and see more clearly, as if he was moving through deep water and peering beneath the surface. Wait. He ran his meaty hand through his scruffy beard and bushy mustache. The maples had been chopped and felled and scorched. They were dead. What? He gazed into their lifeless faces as he passed them one by one. Nobody would have heard them groan, except those who killed them. Even in agony, Maples did not scream. Ahead, he noticed an abandoned campsite. Small rocks encircled a pile of ash. He stirred the ashes and found bones. Fish bones. Some of his fishing nets lay a few feet away, dead and uneaten fish within them. Whoever made the footprints had also cut his nets, stolen his fish, slaughtered the Maples, and wasted what they did not want. His hands and feet tingled with an urge to defend. Suddenly, his thoughts returned to Daesong. Gunther hurried home, his mind fixed on a single horrible thought. 
Earlier that morning, he had awakened like every day. It was an hour before sunup and a day to retrieve his nets. Daesong was up and wrapped in a silken robe. Eggs were cooking, and she stood slightly bended at the waist, squeezing oranges and looking back at him through her long, flowing hair. Good morning, my prince, she had said. Gunther ran. Branches and twigs tore his clothes and scratched his face. He growled at unwanted thoughts. Daesong crying. Daesong frightened. Daesong, no. He couldn't think of it. His legs pumped hard. Ahead, around the bend, he would sight his cabin. The anticipation drove him fast to the curve where he tripped over rocks. He and Daesong had arranged them along the path yesterday. He fell headlong and landed on his stomach to peer forward. A bird whistled in the distance. A groundhog scurried around the corner of the small barn. The chimney smoked, and Gunther's clothes hung on the line that stretched from the cabin to his woodshed. Through the window, he saw her, and his heart filled. Beautiful Daesong was dressed in her plain brown dress, her hair wrapped in a kerchief, and her soft hands delicately sewing. Her face wrinkled when she observed his position, and then brightened into a smile. She set down her knitting and rose. What are you doing? She called from the doorway. Are you all right? He recovered his dignity and his feet. He inhaled deeply, dusted off his breeches, and met her. She traced the scratches along his forehead and cheek. I have no fish. He squeezed her. What's happened? You look like you've been fighting. Is everything all right? Gunther's hands made gentle on her shoulders. No fighting, except for some bramble. Her fingertips wiped droplets of blood from the bridge of his nose. <laughs> it got the best of you. She looked down at his hands. No fish? There was no hint of complaint. He led her inside, closed the door, and kissed her. All was well. The door banged. Daesong gasped, and Gunther spun around. A swift kick into the center of his face sent him to the floor. The name's Skeever, a man said. He was a filthy-faced pirate wearing a black bandana, no shirt, and oilskin breeches. His grin was lined with rotted teeth. A stout pirate added, Skeever tick green to be sure, and I be Mott. Pleased to meet ya. There were violent sounds of things broken. A torch passed. Gunther looked up from the floor and saw Daesong. She was terrified, one hand lifted to her mouth. Skeever Tick Green reached for her, but didn't get the satisfaction. Gunther tackled him, and the other one named Mott. All three of them crashed to the floor. Other pirates tore down window treatments, smashed furniture, and tossed Daesong's clothes into the air. Though battling, Gunther glimpsed Daesong staring motionless and pale. His hands and feet tingled as if pricked by thousands of pine needles. He wrapped the pirate Skeever in a hug from behind while he rose to his feet, kicked Mott in the chin, and sent him sprawling into a table. A bowl tipped over and oranges rolled on the floor. Skeever gasped like a sick rattle. Another pirate waved a torch in front of Daesong's face. Oh, don't you like me? I'm known as Coolie Man. Everybody likes me. Gunther dropped Skeever to the floor and landed a right-handed blow to Coolie Man's fat face. He delivered another blow to his head when a sting spun him around. A dagger had been thrust into his shoulder. Daesong screamed. No! Gunther turned to defend. Time slowed and sounds muffled. 
Splintered wood dropped from his hair and shoulders. A large piece glanced off of his hands. He dropped to one knee, no longer sure from which direction his wife screamed. A black blur crunched his face. He tumbled backwards and struck the cabin floor. His eyes felt open, but he saw nothing. He needed to rise and remain conscious for Daesong. He listened for her, but only heard snapping twigs. His head throbbed. Was he running home, racing to find her sewing? He tried to brush the twigs from his face, and he tried to see the cabin from the bend in the path. Cursed was this slowness. Things weren't fitting together. He tried to be smart, but the sound of snapping twigs filled his ears until his head echoed with it. Why were the twigs snapping? If he wasn't running, why were they snapping? Outside the burning, crackling cabin, Daesong watched Mott, Cooley, and the rest torching it. The engulfed logs cracked and snapped. Skeever held her with one sweaty arm around her waist. More! He yelled. More fire! Burn the Hulk to a crisp! Daesong twisted and smashed her heel into the top of Skeever Tick Green's foot. She swung her left leg back around the side of his right leg, just like Gunther taught. She leaned backwards, sending both of them to the ground. For an instant, the pirate's hold was broken, and she ran. The barn was small and cluttered. The bags of seed Gunther had traded for only two days ago, the wooden tools, a small two-wheeled wagon and lots of straw, chickens scattered while she searched for a hiding place. The oxen stirred in their stalls, the fire not escaping their senses. Among the tools, she found a small wooden spade. She had used it for weeds. Holding it tightly in her teeth, she climbed the ladder to the loft and ducked behind large piles of straw. This day, I will plant it in a new kind of weed. Skeever raced in. I like it like this, you little witch, he said. You want to make me earn it? I will earn it all. She saw him spot the ladder in the back. He looked up his eyes failing to focus on her, and then watched him leave the barn. Beyond the barn doors, she saw him and the others encircling with torches. Come out now or you'll burn, he shouted. He waited only a moment before he tossed the first torch inside. It landed on the hay in front of her. He called for another one. More fire! She looked at the barn ceiling and knew what to do. She climbed up the wobbly steps she and Gunther had nailed on the wall to reach the roof. Which be preferring the burn, Skeev? Cooley said, handing over a second torch. Rather than greeting the likes of you. What a waste of soft stuff, Mott said. Skeever Tick Green tried to enter the barn, but the flames had prevented him. Damn you, witch. Damn you! He kicked the ground. <laughs> slapped Mott for laughing and glared at his men. Save your remarks or taste me, sword. No one met his eye. Come on. We have a half day's travel to rejoin the Admiral. Our scouting is done. He looked back at the blazing barn. Curse you. He and his men departed. Curse you. Daesong whispered to herself as she watched them from the brush. She and Gunther had built this barn, including the hatch doors and the roof for the airing out of dampened straw. After she had climbed the rafters and accessed the roof, she had jumped to the ground to hide and cover. She waited until certain her tormentors had gone before running to the cabin. Gunther! She ran quickly, soaked through with sweat as she looked for a way to enter her burning house. 
A chunk of cabin wall collapsed on the far side, and she saw Gunker rise to his feet, but then he gagged <coughs> and went down. With little thought but for placing her feet in places still unburned, she cut in and out of the flames. Gunther! Her eyes stung and her throat constricted. She fell, unable to breathe. Her dress caught fire, her legs seared with pain. Gunther! Her voice was a hoarse whisper. <coughs> Where are you? She dragged herself closer, but roof timbers exploded. And she screamed. Gunther's mind cleared. Daesong had yelled. She was in trouble. His head pulsed with pain, but his mind was clearing. He wasn't running down a forest path. He was lying on his cabin's floor. The cabin was on fire. It was partially caved in, and he and Daesong were inside. He rolled onto his side. Daesong? <laughs> he saw her, flames abounding. Her eyes barely open. Giant beads of sweat speckled her face and charred beams licked with fire atop her legs. He struggled to rise, but quickly dropped, forced again by the smoke. He crawled and shoved the bursting hot timbers aside and smothered her body with his. Daesong, I am here. He wrapped his arm around her. She moaned as he dragged her across the floor. He groped clumsily for the iron ring he knew was close by. It branded his hand as he touched it. He yanked it open and pushed her inside the root cellar. He dropped beside her atop onions and potatoes. The door slammed overhead. He reached for her. End of chapter 2